Welcome to Giant Cocktails Happy Hour, a podcast where two amateur mixologists introduce homemade cocktails and discuss what makes each one a giant hit. Now, here are your hosts, Finn and Matthew Henry. Greetings, quaffers and questers of the quintessential quench. I'm Matthew Henry, your charismatic captain, steering the ship through the tempestuous tides of taste. Ahoy! There with me is Ben Henry, the admiral of aperitifs and adventures. We're charting a course through exotic archipelagos? 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 I don't know how to pronounce that. Archipelagos. Archipelagos? (laughs) God, just finish. (laughs) Of alcohol, navigating the intricate channels of chasers and dropping anchor at the islands of innovation. Whether you're a seasoned sailor or just getting your sea legs, we're here to guide you through a voyage of epic proportions. Anchors away, me hearties. It's time to embark on another episode of Giant Cocktails Happy Hour. Bon voyage, Admiral Man, ChatGPT, we gotta have a talk, man. I don't know where this one went, but Ahoy! Ahoy. Uh, I've been an admiral before, ChatGPT, so you're starting to be a little bit unoriginal. Matthew, it's archipelago. Thank you. Archipelagos of (laughs) series. It's a series of islands. Right. Okay. Yeah. I I kind of, I knew what they were. I just have never actually heard it out loud. I've I've read the word many times, but I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say the word. Archipelago. Archipelago. Yeah. All right. I mean, I guess plural would be archipelagos. (laughs) That's what chat GPT says. (laughs) It's actually archipelagos, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what I would have thought. That's where I was going. There's a ch in there, you know, like it's it's, is it a ch or (laughs) archipelagos? Archipelagos. All right. Well, Uh, enough enough about making fun of me. But how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I had another arduous week of doing the things that I do, but this week was a little bit harder than normal because, well, because Matthew. I have been avoiding the cocktail that I am presenting today pretty much for my whole life, (laughs) but it has come to this. The month of bitterness has come to this. Uh, This is the last episode that we will publish in the month of October, and so it had to be now. And so here it is. I have been experimenting with this cocktail. Well, I'm not going to say all week because that would be a lie, but I've been thinking about this cocktail all week, and I've been thinking about what I might say about it when I finally present it. And so that's been hard on me. But I've also been watching a lot of playoff baseball, and and the Giants were not in that playoff baseball. So, so all in all, it was a pretty miserable week. You know how it is, folks. The grind. It really gets you down. Anyway, that was my week, Matthew. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, uh, typical week, you know, just working. But the weekends, you know, they get busy. And I feel like I haven't sat down pretty much at all this weekend and started out yesterday. The daughter had been asking me to take a friend of hers to the Halloween spirit store. 
So we went to the the building that has been empty for the last several years and which only gets dusted off every like September through the end of October for the Halloween spirit store and walked around and looked at all the fun costumes and did not choose one. We spent an hour there and my daughter did not choose one. She found a really cool Barbie shirt, but no costume. So I don't know what she's going to do. I don't know what she's going as. She might go as a just as a surly teen is probably what I think she's leaning towards right now. Nice. Nice. Well, she carries that look off quite well, so. Yeah. Well, she's not a teen yet, but she looks it. So, yeah. So that's uh, Oh, okay. And uh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, let's see. Today uh, today I I I am making a cat tree for my cat. You're making a cat tree for your cat. Yeah. Well, cats. We yeah, only have one good. cat tree and now we have three cats. And it's becoming yeah. a problem. So we need to, we needed to create a new one. And so I'm creating the one that we have. I created in like the year 2000, like when we first wow. got our first cat in on the patio of my little apartment in Campbell. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like remembering all of that. And I must say that I'm much handier with tools and I have many more tools to work with than I did back then. And so it's actually was a kind of a fun project today, but it took up pretty much the entire afternoon. So. Well, that's awesome. That was a good weekend. Yeah. I would say that, yes, when you have three cats, you need to make sure that they have a lot of space around them. You got to create a lot of space. You got to place places where they can feel comfortable and safe. Yeah. And especially because they've been uh, fighting over this cat tree lately. I mean, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, it's bad to, it's bad to promote fighting amongst animals. All right. Well, now that we got that out of the way, I do have a question for you. Do it. So you're doing this month of bitterness. Yeah. Do you think bitterness is an acquired taste like coffee or maybe even becoming a fan of an underperforming team like the Giants? (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Being a Giants fan is an acquired taste is what I'm saying. Uh, Yes, I do think bitterness is an acquired taste. I think just like learning to love your bad baseball team is an acquired taste, you know? And I think to a certain extent, Bitterness allows you to, like, once you learn to enjoy it, it gives you something that you can lord over other people, you know? <laughs> that's right. And be like, oh, oh you don't like, like bitter? Oh, you just, it. that's what it- Right. Well, anyway, so so there you go. Bitterness is an acquired taste, but once you acquire it, you're better than everybody else. <laughs> I guess I just haven't acquired it. I, I'm not a fan of the, the bitterness. Well, then, Matthew, you're clearly not better than everybody else, which, oddly, makes you better than everyone else. Mm. Weird. I'll take it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're welcome. All right. Well, you know what time it is. Is it that time? It's that time. Time for... Tip Tip of of the day! day! Tip of the day, Ben. Tip of the day. And I can't think of a better tip than the one that I'm about to give our listeners right now. And it will be a perfect segue into your cocktail. Don't drink bad cocktails, friends. Okay. You know, if you make something at home and it tastes bad, then just dump it and make something else. Okay. You're not spending 15 bucks for that cocktail, you can just make something else that you like. Do that instead. Don't feel like you have to drink a bad cocktail. And even if you're out at a cocktail bar and you don't like the the drink that they give you, 
let them know and good chances are they will give you a different drink for free. So don't drink bad cocktails. Don't drink things that you don't like because then you end up like spilling it because you take a sip and it's so bad that you like have this visceral reaction and you spill it as I'm watching Ben do right now as he breaks out the baby wipes to clean up his mess. So that's my tip, Ben. Don't drink bad cocktails. I don't know what you're talking about. None of that happened. (laughs) None of that happened. I I do like that you added to this cocktails that you don't like. Yes. Even if you're at a bar and you really don't like the cocktail, Matthew's absolutely correct. If you tell the bartender that you really don't like it, there is a good chance that they'll give you something else. There's a very good chance that they will swap it out for something else. And you don't even have to say the cocktail's bad. You don't need to make excuses for yourself when you don't like something. But I also want to say that's more important because I don't necessarily agree or want to come fully out and say that this cocktail in front of me is a bad cocktail. This cocktail is 100 years old. It has been appreciated by many people. It was so enjoyed that somebody ended up bottling it. It was like a pre-made cocktail. I'm glad that you said if you don't like it. And this is especially true when you're drinking at home, folks. Like, the whole goal of making cocktails at home is to make cocktails that you enjoy. And sure, sometimes it's good to be adventurous and go off out on a path and, and experiment with things that you maybe you don't like. You know, as you get deeper into the hobby, like I'm doing right now, I, don't, I, I, I hope it's very clear at this point that I do not like bitter cocktails. But I'm drinking them because I know a lot of other people do, and I want to understand and appreciate them, even if I don't enjoy them. And, But nonetheless, you know, it's totally fine to pour it out and then go make yourself a rum and coke. (laughs) Well, don't go that far. (laughs) It's fine to go make a Bacardi and Coke Zero if that's what you want. I mean, don't sure. call that a cocktail, but it's it's okay to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and thank you. It, you know, I say bad cocktails. It Obviously, it's kind of like wine, right? There's no bad wine, just your personal preference. Same thing with cocktails. If you don't like it, then just move on. So with that, Ben, maybe we should get into your cocktail. What are you drinking today, Ben? Well, thank you for asking, Matthew. Today, I am presenting the world-famous, world-class, official cocktail of the millennial generation. The one, the only, the unstoppable juggernaut, Negroni. That's right, folks. I've been working up to it. And yes, it has all been coming together. I have been leading up to this moment because this is my nemesis. This is the cocktail that I have been avoiding pretty much my whole life because I really, really don't like it. And I have a lot of friends who love this cocktail. I have a lot of friends who this is their go-to order and they practically don't drink anything else. And so it is a cocktail that has always been around and that I have always been close to. But it is a cocktail that, you know, I think I tasted it once or twice and I was just like, just no, that's not for me. And and I wanted to give it a second chance. And ultimately, I have come to the conclusion 
that this is a cocktail that I'm just never going to like. But that doesn't mean I can't appreciate it. The Negroni is a perfect cocktail, which means all of the ingredients come in the same ratio. So it's a one-to-one ratio of all the ingredients. This one has three ingredients, and they are gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth. Now, the gin is typically a London dry gin, but of course, like every other cocktail, this gets swapped out and changed, and they still call it a Negroni as long as the gin is a gin. But the traditional and original recipes called for a London dry gin. So this would be a juniper forward gin, but not something like super botanically like Plymouth. Something around the 40% to 45% alcohol range is the standard gin. The sweet vermouth, today, you know, I think people tend to go towards more higher end sweet vermouths. Although this really does seem to be all over the place. I do see a lot of Martini and Rossi sweet vermouth recipes calling for that sweet vermouth. And I see any number of other sweet vermouths in there. In this particular case, I'm using the Antica Formula Carpano. And and then, of course, the one ingredient that is non-negotiable is Campari. Because that is called for by name. And you take all three of those ingredients in equal parts, you put them into a stirring glass with ice, and you stir until chilled. This is not a shaken cocktail. This is a stirred cocktail. And then you pour that into traditionally into a rocks glass with ice. You can use small ice cubes, or you can use a larger cube. The ice, how much ever ice you use, is definitely going to change this cocktail a lot. It is going to dilute it significantly. I think this is a cocktail that should not be over-diluted. I mean, that's kind of the point of this cocktail. If you are over-diluting it, you are not getting the true Negroni experience. And so you should be just doing just enough to get it chilled. And then I serve it with a large single chunk of ice so it doesn't over-dilute over time, but still stays reasonably chilled. And that is how you make a Negroni. It comes out to be a bright pink cocktail because of the Campari mixed with the sweet vermouth and the gin. Oh, I forgot it is to be garnished. Typically today, the modern Negroni is garnished with an orange peel. However, the original Negroni was garnished with an orange slice. Either way, this is an important part of the recipe, because when you have that there, the nose or the aroma, the initial aroma of the cocktail is going to be orange and Campari, which are very complementary aromas, and they're going to create a very bright, citrusy, and almost sweet sort of presentation on the nose. And then, once you drink it, the first thing that you're going to detect is the sweetness of the Campari and the sweet vermouth, along with your London Dry Gin botanicals. And that is one thing that I find very interesting about this cocktail is that the London Dry Gin and the Campari do seem to complement each other very well. I noticed this in the cocktail that I made last week, which also called for those two ingredients. And they work very well together at the beginning of this cocktail to create a very bright, sweet, but also sophisticated flavors. And sophisticated meaning there is a good presentation of the botanicals from the gin 
And the sweetness of the Campari and the sweet vermouth kind of hold back some of that more astringent qualities of the juniper. So in a lot of ways, you get all the friendly parts of the gin, and then that is followed significantly by the sweetness. But folks, that's not what this cocktail is about. This cocktail is about the bitterness of the Campari and supported by the sweet vermouth. It is about that bitter finish that hangs around for a long time. And this is the part of the cocktail that that I just find completely off-putting. And I don't understand why people like it. And the pretentious guy in me wants to say that these people just want to be pretentious by saying that they like something bitter. And so what I do is I say, oh, well, they're just trying to feel like they're more important than everybody because they drink this bitter cocktail. And then that makes me feel more important because I know better than that. And then that just makes me feel bad about myself. And then I pour my cocktail out and I have a Coke Zero and Bacardi and then I feel good again. <laughs> so anyway, Matthew, huh. that's what I'm drinking today. The, I... ne- the Negroni. The, ne- the Negroni, finally. And it had to be you, Ben, because it was never going to be me. <laughs> and funny story, like, and I may have shared the story once before on the podcast, but when right at the beginning of our cocktail journeys, and I was quite the newbie. And I really wanted to learn about all the classic cocktails as quickly as possible. And so, of course, the Negroni was and is a very popular cocktail. So I went out and bought my bottle of Campari and had my gin and had my sweet vermouth. And I mixed up my first batch and I'm stirring and I'm straining and and I express the oils and I bring it to my nose. And I'm like, oh, wow, this smells great. And then I take a sip and... Like, I really had to decide whether I was going to swallow this or spit it out. Like, it, and then, so I decided to swallow it. Oh, that and was And then I'm kind of collecting myself. And I'm standing in my kitchen. I haven't even made it to, like, the couch where I was planning on sitting and enjoying my cocktail. And I took another sip. And I, like, choked that down. And I'm shocked. It's like somebody has slapped me in the face. Like, like, I just who does this to you, right? It's like, like, why, why? Like, here I was just trying to have a nice cocktail. Everybody was promising <laughs> that this was a wonderful cocktail, and all of a sudden, whap! I just get slapped in the face by Campari. And mm-hmm. so, I, it is to this day the only time that I've done this. But I look over at the sink, and the drain is staring at me, and I yeah. get this like, like, I don't have to finish this. Nope. And I just dumped it down the drain and I went and I made like a, a whiskey sour, you know, like it was I just something else that I would enjoy because that was just that was uh, to me the worst thing that I'd ever had. And and I have I've been trying to like over time find ways to just use the Campari in little bits and pieces so that eventually I can get rid of this bottle of Campari because I bought the big ass bottle. And so now I'm like a quarter of the way done of this big bottle. And so that's my, my Negroni story. It's not for everyone. And I'm okay with admitting that I am not, I am not sophisticated enough to like this cocktail. Yeah. I mean, so I I do want to say that I, I know there are a lot of people that like the Negroni and, and more power to them. You know, I'm sure a lot of those sure. people do not like the sweet cocktails that we like and would pour those down the drain. Campari <clears throat> is really good, I think, for balancing something that is overly sweet. 
So first of all, like if you have a, a combination or a cocktail that is overly sweet and you're maybe looking to repair it, Campari is a good thing to do that. It also brings a lot of bright red and pinks to a cocktail, so it can make things look very flashy and bright. So that's another good reason to use it. The one thing that I will say about the Negroni, I like it as because it's a perfect cocktail in that it is simple to make. The, these, the three ingredients, you just use them in equal parts. And, but it also is fairly well balanced if you can tolerate that bitterness. You know, I, I think for me, this cocktail, like evaluating its balance has to come from a place of logical thinking rather than enjoyment. Because I don't believe there's any amount of Campari in a cocktail that I'm going to enjoy, right? And that's just because I just don't like Campari. But it is easy to taste the balance in this, right? The, the nose is really wonderful with the orange, the Campari, and that initial taste with the gin and the Campari working together to create something a little bit different for both of them. Although, honestly, if I were to like really critique this cocktail and say that there's one element that I really don't like about it beyond not liking bitterness, is that I felt like I feel like the sweet vermouth kind of muddies it down a little bit. I really do like the combo of gin and Campari, again, from an intellectual level, not from an enjoyment level. But I feel like the sweet vermouth, while adding body to it and adding some, some extra sweetness, does kind of muddy the flavors up a little bit. But I think that might also help diminish the bitterness at the finish at the end. But anyway, those are my thoughts on the Negroni. And there you have it, folks. This concludes Ben's month of bitterness. What are you drinking, Matthew? <laughs> well, I am not drinking a bitter cocktail. I am drinking a original cocktail that is, again, my homage to fall. So I'm calling it the Fall of Fig. Sticking with the fig theme, had some fig syrup still left, had to figure out what to do with it. Still, frankly, had some fig-infused gin from a few weeks ago, if you mm, recall. Yeah. And so I decided to go all in on the fig. So you added uh, figgy pudding? I, I Everything but figgy pudding. Man. So there's no pudding in this. Maybe, maybe next week. Maybe next week we'll just take all it right. one step further. So you heard it here first. Figgy pudding <laughs> next week. <laughs> but it has two ounces of London dry gin. In this case, it was fig infused. I did make it without it, and it was a, a fine cocktail. Uh, but the fig infusion actually just adds to this whole complexity. So if you can do that, then 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 definitely infuse your gin with the figs. It has a half ounce of Benedictine. And then a half ounce to three quarters of an ounce, depending on how sweet you like it, with your fig syrup. And the fig syrup is interesting because it's just equal parts fig preserves and water. And then you bring that to just to a boil and incorporate the preserves into the water and then strain out all the seeds and all the gunk that's in there. And what's left over is the syrup. Uh, what's interesting is you still get a little of the gelatin uh, still in the syrup from the preserves. And so it will actually gel up a little bit in the fridge. So it's a little more viscous than a traditional syrup, but I think that actually lends to a nice mouthfeel. I actually kind of like that, that, that distinction there. Then you're going to add an ounce of lemon juice and finish with two dashes of cardamom bitters. And you take all those ingredients and you put them in a cocktail shaker with ice, shake for 10 to 12 seconds, and then double strain, definitely double strain into a chilled coupe glass. If you have a slice of fig, then by all means garnish it, but you don't need to garnish this. Just sip away and you will be, I think, surprised by how 
balanced and sweet and nice this is. So the fall of fig, Ben, here it is. And what I like about it, you know, fig is an interesting fruit because it, it's kind of a subtle flavor. It's not like apple or like orange or, you know, some of these things. It's definitely a little bit more subtle. It, it adds depth and, and a little bit of earthiness to it. And the Benedictine with all of its botanicals and the sweetness there, I think really brings that out a little bit. The fig syrup is just to add sweetness. The cardamom bitters is definitely, I think you can taste that in the end, a little bit of this kind of spiciness and this little bit of just a touch of bitter as you're finishing the drink. And so I think all in all, it's a really nice, complex cocktail that you know, is right along with our fall theme here. So that's what I'm drinking today, the fall of fig. Well, I'm very jealous. I, I think I know what the title of this episode is going to be. It's going to be the fall of bitterness because of the month of bitterness coming to an end and you continuing this run of fall cocktails. Talk to me about the Benedictine because I know this is a, an ingredient that you use quite a bit and I honestly don't even know what this tastes like. It's kind of along the same lines as maybe green chartreuse, not as herbaceous as that, but definitely mm -hmm. has a lot going on there in terms of herbs and spices. It, it is very sweet and it has this very herbal punch to it that is kind of hard to explain, but it's, it's a really nice flavor. And I actually tried the same cocktail with Amaro Nonino, which is my favorite sweet Amaro. And felt like it didn't distinguish enough from the fig. So I brought back the Benedictine because you definitely get the, the herbalness of the Benedictine in this cocktail. And, and it adds the necessary sweetness as well. So I think it's a good go-to. The reason I use it is just because, well, A, I have it in my bar. And B, it's something that is sweet enough to act the part of like a syrup without needing as much syrup. And I like that. It gives it a little bit more complexity without just relying on a syrup. I like that you added that as the zig to offset the fig syrup and the fig infused gin. And and then, yeah, you have the cardamom bitters on top of that. This sounds like a very nice, very simple and straightforward cocktail that has sugar in it. <laughs> yes, yes. Not, not bitter in, in any way. And I'm a little jealous of the lemon juice. And I'm not a guy who generally likes tart cocktails, but man, I could go for some tartness right now. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well. It'll be interesting to see what you bring next week, though. Yeah, I have to figure that out. I, I feel like I have to come back with something that is not bitter. Because because the month of bitterness is over. Right. But I, I do say this, like I do want to dive deeper into things like Amaro's and and some other some other aperitifs that are on the the bitter side of the equation. I, I actually chose sweet vermouth and Campari particularly because they're two that I particularly don't like and yeah. Yeah. and I felt like those were perfect for my month of bitterness. So I'm gonna have for to choose week, something I... festive and bright. What? Can I can I suggest for next week just a mudslide? Just bring it. <laughs> just a mudslide, just a yeah, just like yeah, you know, just you yeah, know, like you're at Applebee's, you know, just a good old mudslide. Yeah, I think I might come back with a something something sweet, something festive, 
because I do want to stay with the festive, you know, cocktails. Maybe maybe we'll segue just into festive cocktails as we move into the deeper holidays of the holiday season. Although we will be coming up with Thanksgiving. I guess Thanksgiving is kind of like the midway point of the season. So maybe yeah. we'll make some make start making some Thanksgiving focused cocktails. Although I felt like I did a few of those in September and then have some more festive cocktails into December. But yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. The Negroni and the Fall of Fig. If you liked either of these cocktails enough to try them yourselves, or maybe you made something bitter, I mean, better, take a photo of it. Or maybe just paint a word scot of it and send it to us on Instagram, Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, Threads, or Mastodon. We love to interact with you all, and it really helps the show. You know what else helps the show, Matthew? Leaving a positive rating on Apple Podcast. Go over there and click that five stars. Maybe even say a few kind words. Also, tell your friends. Tell friends, tell enemies, just tell everybody you are listening to Giant Cocktails, and they should listen too. Do it now! And on that note, we will see you all next Monday when we will be drinking these very same cocktails while Matthew and I talk about the new manager of the San Francisco Giants. Until then, cheers, Matthew. Cheers, Ben. Bye, everybody. I'm so glad I'm over with the month of bitterness. I mean, goodbye! Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. (laughs) This is the first time ever you haven't finished your drink. I know. (laughs) It's still like half of it left in your glass. It's a third of it. Yeah, it's probably it's half. It's half. The ice is almost completely melted. And I keep thinking, is that enough? You're all talking. You're all talking about how you have a, a big ice cube in there, man. I would have put so many small little. I would have put pebble ice in there. I would have put pebble ice and stirred it around. I tried to do it legit, man. I tried to do it legit, but then you know all you taste is just the water, and then the bitterness is still there. You can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of it. I'm not even gonna finish this. <laughs>